Chapter One of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. January in Broadland. He rises early and he late takes rest and sails intrepid o'er the watery waste, waits the return of shot sail on the lake and listens to the wild fowl's distant quack at dusk steers homeward with a plenteous freight from life of a fenman seventeen seventy one the fame of the broads of norfolk has become world-wide books in plenty have been written in praise and descriptive of them and folk of other nations besides our own upon them have pleasured and browned and become familiar with their spreading waters our introduction therefore need be but brief take a map of norfolk draw a triangle on its eastern side with sea palling at its apex with norwich on the left and yarmouth at its right and you will include in its area of some two hundred and fifty square miles the greater portion of these five thousand acres of charming lagoons and some two hundred miles of navigable waterways they have a beauty peculiarly their own to enjoy which to the full one must needs get under canvas and cruise here and there in the most leisurely fashion for broadland is not a land of worry or bustle but one of dreams and delightful lotus-eating he who in his trim yacht glides through the narrow channels which connect these quiet lakes will find a certain sameness about their characteristic points which is rather refreshing than otherwise an effect quite different from that produced by the repetition of many other scenes and our treatment of an individual broad will suffice for a description of them all broadland offers to all its patrons something that will make their holiday jaunt pleasurable even in remembrance the angler finds its waters teeming with hungry denizens to the yachtsman it offers advantages unparalleled in the kingdom the artist who loves the picturesque finds in it an el dorado the archaeologist the botanist and the entomologist will find plenty to see and do whilst the admirer of things ornithological may travel far and wide in search of a happier hunting ground to the strong the broad district is exhilarating and to the weakly health-giving and he who wants for nothing save perfect rest and quietude may here idle away the longest summer's day in perfect happiness undisturbed by the jostling of his fellows or the costliness of his well-earned holiday the air is dry and bracing the annual rainfall is below many other districts in the kingdom the broadland native is a hardy docile being with a tawny sun-scorched beard a fair skin and a ruddy complexion a nose that savours of the aquiline 
and mild blue eyes with norse or danish blood in his veins mixed with a dash of saxon his vocabulary is limited but his tongue is easy-going and let's fly a strange jargon spiced with stray danish derivatives and a host of curious accents let us hie away then into broadland taking our first glimpse and impressions with the new year's advent when the cold north winds whirl the plumy snowflakes hither and thither and the leafless reed stems rustle strange music as the gusts of winter sway them to and fro and the erstwhile tranquil waters of the broad are flinging foam-tipped waves into their midst or maybe when the merry skaters glide to and fro upon its glassy surface and the starving coot at his wit's end has flown to the nearest estuary in search of needful sustenance Today we have found its waters locked quietly in the embrace of the frost sprite snowflakes are falling and eddying around us in the keen bustling wind the thermometer is still descending to the delight of many who will be shortly speeding hither from the town to whirl with the lively throng on iron-shod feet we have our skates with us and being assured by a passing rustic that you don't need a fair bore for it's friz hard enough to bear a dicky we sit down upon the stubbly broad margin and adjust our skeets as the communicative native terms them a few rather awkward movements for it is long since we tried them put us at our ease and we launch out upon the transparent surface at this moment an individual with a parsonical appearance glides swiftly round a reedy promontory merrily salutes us takes a right turn and hies away as on wings of wind reassured we strike out boldly and are soon rapidly gliding in the direction he has taken how bare is the broad margin of vegetation nothing remains now of the broad-leaved water-lilies whose snow-white petals last summer formed such a delightful foreground to the phalanx of emerald green reeds and the taller bulrushes whose big brown pokers flung their shadows over them into the limpid waters where the lilies rested the yellow iris has left nothing but its brown broken stubble upon the once time boggy but now hard frozen rond where the alders in the background point upwards their leafless twigs see there are several coltits busily hunting in the stunted branches in search of such larvae or little insects as may have hidden in the bark chinks for a winter's nap what nimble bird acrobats they are now hanging topsy-turvy now running head downwards as the humour or occasion prompts them it is small matter to them in what position they hunt their sleeping prey high overhead passes a harrier of some kind he is a harrywood in the birdland 
observe yonder tiny red-brown birdies busy among those plumy reed tops they are the bearded tits or reed pheasants of the norfolk natives hardly they must fare now the aphids and dipterous insects are dead or hibernating in more protected locations and the tiny mollusks that crawled up the verdant rush stems are in safe hiding in the depths below they are glad now to glean the seeds of the withering broad vegetation among whose leafy recesses they were cradled let us hope jack frost may deal gently and that the evil eye of the skulking gunner may not glance down sights at them many familiar birds we miss altogether the rails and moorhens have sought the sheltered ditches and the great crested grebes have gone south for the winter for what good were it to stay when the little fry have sought the deepest recesses of the broad and the ice-bound surface forbids them diving in search of them the coots held back until well-nigh starved hoping against hope for a break in the long-continued frost they too have departed but are content to pick up a scanty living in the salt waters of the tidal estuary persecuted alas at every turn by the merciless gun of the wild fowler the summer birds of passage are almost forgotten we dream not of meeting with the swallows the reed warblers or the cuckoo they are happy among the insect legions swarming by the lakesides of a warmer continent the snow has ceased a while and the sun breaking out smiles down upon a landscape of unsullied white which sparkles with the frost dust crystals yon fenman's cottage cosily nestled amid those stunted willows and the quaint little pump mill close beside it form an interesting break in the uniformity of the broad surroundings a skein of wild geese in wedge form passes overhead a puff of smoke and the report of a gun tell us other eyes beside our own have observed them but they flew far too high for the leaden messengers to reach them the fenman's dinner to-day will be gooseless a flock of wild ducks dash past us on noisy pinions a squadron of melancholy rooks are fruitlessly grubbing in the distant field and the flapping of wood pigeons falls ever and anon upon the ear only one species of bird appears really contented and that is the hooded crow what cares he if hard times cause his fellows to perish for does he not thrive upon the carcasses of the fallen while dashing to and fro the time speeds merrily on and pleasant company for others the parson among them have joined us makes it glide by imperceptibly we tire at length and make again for the edge of the older car whence we started meanwhile the storm clouds have been piling up in the heavens and snow begins to fall heavily ere long 
hiding everything but the nearest objects from view and these are partially covered with the soft pure mantle of winter it is still midwinter and cold but a thaw has suddenly set in it is sloppy underfoot nature has assumed a gloomier outlook and everything but the birds appears dull they poor rogues are glad of a respite for the softened earth will yield them their meat once more the snipe has again made his appearance and is probing in the unlocked ooze for worms and buried larvae the chaffinches are searching in the cultivated patch for uncovered seeds the lapwings in the lowlands are eyeing each likely worm cast and the meadow pipit is closely scanning the weedy debris by the ditch side we have been wending our way down from the deserted little broadland railway station where the solitary porter seemed loth to drag himself from the cheery fire in his cabin of an office a redbreast jauntily chinked us good day from an elevated position upon the great white crossing gate and a couple of hungry sparrows fell to fighting on the metals over a breadcrumb dropped from a carriage window they really appeared to enjoy a breakfast all the better for a preliminary scrimmage as we pass along between the tall hawthorn hedges redwings reluctantly leave their feasting upon the lessening berries now a blackbird and now a fieldfare takes to startled flight from the rootlets below where dormant snails were being eagerly searched for a woodcock overtops one hedge and disappears behind the one on the other side of the road here we are again by the broadside according to appointment and here is our friend the skating parson clad from top to toe in wildfowler's attire and but for that intellectual face you might for all the world take him for a fenman he is none of your namby-pamby individuals who portray life as a perpetual season of psalm-singing and breast-smiting why we need remain miserable sinners he is at a loss to know but whilst he lures to brighter worlds and leads the way he believes in securing all the enjoyment in the present world possible so long as such pursuit is in accord with sound judgment and bible truths forsooth he is a sportsman and is well able to handle a gun and scull a punt he is muffled up in costumes suited to the season and the errand on which we are going our invite to join him dates back to that frosty morning skating his roomy punt wherein is fastened by a knee a huge gun lies beside the puny bridge which spans a neck of the broad that communicates with another all aboard his man a splendid specimen of the hardy fenman pushes us off and heedless of the bubble-crested waves churned up by the rough wind upon the dark waters of the broad made darker still by the clouds above head we are pulled across it 
a bunch of wildfowl are disporting themselves in the chilly waters while a few of their number are preening their feathers upon the jagged ice held as at anchorage by the reed stems silently and motionless we now crouch in the boat the fenman who has quietly glided into the stern sculls her forward with a single oar whilst the parson on his elbows and knees places his finger upon the trigger of the gun peering over the boat's rail we observe that the ducks are becoming alarmed and are gathering into a more compact body and those that were on the ice have slid down and joined their companions with a splash and a whirr the startled birds take to wing we momentarily imagine that our host does not intend to fire at them but we are mistaken it is the moment he has awaited when the crowding birds shall close up and rise in a body from the water with a tremendous roar and a recoil which throws us flat upon our face the gun belches forth its death-dealing contents the parson has made a bag as the smoke clears off and our boatman eagerly pushes us forward several dead forms are seen floating upon the surface a wounded bird or two are stopped short in their efforts to reach the reedy shelter by the shoulder gun of the clerical sportsman nine widgeon a couple of mallard and a golden eye are the result of our shot the survivors have flown away seaward whilst our man is reloading our ecclesiastical friend evidently much elated by his success waxes chatty it is a matter for regret says he that the birds of broadland have of late years become scarcer our looking at the victims in the boat draws forth a curious smile on his rubicund face ah he added you think such sharp practice as this has had something to do with the decrease of our avi fauna and perhaps it has but it is not the gun altogether which has slaughtered off the birds but the drainage of the lowlands the cultivation of waste places and the consequent dearth of suitable food and shelter or lay as the rustics term it that have more effectually driven them away before steam mills had usurped the clanking pump mills surplus water accumulated in the lowlands and legions of wild fowl swarmed the marshes the birds fed and frolicked in comparative safety and in positive plenty and although great numbers were slain they were but a small percentage of those that remained cattle and corn and root crops usurped the places where the duck once swam in the puddles and the wading bird probed in the shallows the ruff and reeve and the bittern which in my father's time were numerous are rare hereabouts to-day the dastardly egger has done much to aggravate the situation where the gun has slain its units the egger has annihilated a legion 
but his day too is past for he has destroyed his own ill-favoured craft the lapwing has been fairly ousted by him and then the privacy of some birds in the breeding season has been of late years intruded upon by the prying tourist who in every case is not content with seeing but must handle i believe also in transmitted instinct we get fewer birds now for generations of disappointment have taught the species to keep away from where they'd starve can i justify my action most decidedly these birds which lie dead here are foreign bred they came a mere sample of the hosts bred in the morasses of the north their demise but little if anything at all affects the race they are sent us as food the author of our being and theirs placed us in dominion over the fowls of the air as well as of the fishes of the sea you don't blame a fisherman for taking the life of a herring and why blame me many of my parishioners are glad of a wholesome dinner and these will fall to their share and it's no use hiding the fact i love the sport cruel as i know you esteem it and then a country parson's life is rather a monotonous affair and anything that one can conscientiously admit to alleviate or vary it is worth the letting in visit my parishioners well i do my share at that but lie low a parcel of swans wheeling aloft has caught his keen quick eye and we lie low to make ready a warm welcome for them but their eyes are sharper than our own and they fly away to a safer neighbourhood space forbids our entering into all the details of our sport and confabulation shortly let us say we have not another shot after an hour's rest and warm by the parsonage fireside and a glance at his splendid collection of representative local birds all fallen to his own gun we bid him adieu having as our share a couple of wildfowl affording another illustration of kelper's lines as we share in the plunder but pity the birds End of chapter 1